You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. The book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, records one of the accounts of the resurrection. It's found in uh, all four Gospels, of course, and it's found throughout the Scripture. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, so many times for me, when I read the scripture, I have to remind myself that I know the rest of the story. I have the benefit that when I read the scripture, I already know what's going to happen, right? And if you're here today and you have been in church for any length of time and you, you've heard the Bible stories, then as a story is being told, it's hard to put yourself in that person or those people in their, in their shoes because you already know what's going to happen. But I want to remind you as we approach the resurrection story, I want to remind you that these ladies that went to the tomb early on Sunday morning, they did not know the rest of the story. They thought they did. They thought they were going to anoint and prepare the body of Jesus further for the burial. You see, they had watched him die on a cross. They were there. They saw him tortured. They saw him in agony. The crucifixion was a terrible, a horrific way to die. The Romans had perfected uh, the crucifixion so that it would inflict the maximum amount of pain for the longest period of time before a person would actually die. And that's what happened to Jesus. It was not a private event. It was a public event. It was humiliation. They would take the, the worst of the worst. They would take the criminals and they would take the murderers and they would uh, crucify them in a public setting as if to say, don't do that or you will end up like this person. That is the kind of death that Jesus experienced on the cross. These ladies, uh, Mary, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome and the disciples that are going to come to the tomb also, they were there. They were witnesses of the crucifixion. They knew that Jesus was dead. They saw the soldiers take the spear. And as if it were the, the final death blow, they, they shoved that spear into the side of Jesus while he was on the cross. They watched when they lowered his body down from that cross and he was dead. They watched as that body was taken uh, to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea after he had begged Pilate to have the body of Jesus so that Jesus' body could be cared for, so that he could receive a proper burial. The Bible says that on the Sabbath day, they rested, which was the custom, and that was the law for the Jews. And so they did not come on the Sabbath day to finish preparing the body. But they had gathered the ointments and they had gathered the spices and they brought those items with them early on Sunday morning to come to the tomb 
because they expected to find Jesus' body still there. And they expected to wrap that body and care for that body and to, uh, to further prepare it uh, for the burial. But here we see in Mark 16, they came to anoint him. I see in this passage a few thoughts I want to give you. Number one, I see that the people that came to see the body of Jesus that day, they were broken people. They were sorrowful. They had just seen their friend. They had just seen their, their Lord and Savior. They had seen him die and suffer on a cross and their hearts were broken. They were crushed. That was not the way it was supposed to go. They thought Jesus would be the king. They thought that he would, would conquer the Romans. They thought that the story would have a different ending, but it did not. They were sorrowful. They were crushed. They thought that it was the end. They thought that there was no hope. By the way, I'll say this. That's amazing dedication on behalf of these ladies in the gospel and the resurrection account that they were going on Sunday morning and they thought Jesus was dead. I don't think it's too much for us to serve Jesus who is alive. I don't think it's asking too much for us to serve the Lord and worship the Lord. He's not dead. He's alive. And they were going to, 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 to care for the body of a dead friend. But yet we are here today to worship and to celebrate a risen Savior who is alive and well. They were broken. It seemed like there was no hope. They were in fear for their own lives. They wondered what would happen to them. Their master had been crucified and now their lives were also at risk. On February 6th of this year, there was an earthquake that hit the region of Turkey and Syria. It was a terrible earthquake. It was the worst earthquake that they had had in over 20 years. It was an earthquake that measured 7.8 on the Richter scale. And it was an earthquake that, that, that was responsible for over 57,000 people losing their lives in that earthquake. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures or any of the footage from that tragedy, but it was awful. There, was just, there were piles of, of concrete and piles of bricks and, and piles of what used to be apartment buildings and what used to be houses and what used to be businesses and it looked like a war zone from that earthquake. They immediately, they began to send in uh, crews to try to rescue people but very quickly they found out that it was more of a recovery operation of the bodies than it was a rescue of survivors. After many hours of searching and and and, and retrieving bodies of loved ones and, and all of the sorrow and all of the heartache. And of course, besides the, the 57 plus thousand that were killed, there were, there were tens of thousands that were injured. The hospitals were overflowing with those that were wounded. And as they were going through the rubble, just going through the remains and what was a tragedy and what was an awful, awful time, there was a worker who heard the cry of a baby. And that worker went to that spot and that worker began to remove the, the debris and remove the rubble. 
And that worker was shocked to discover that in that pile of rubble, there was a survivor. This was not any survivor. This was not the survivor that you and I would expect. But this was an infant baby that had been born after the earthquake. This baby was born. Look it up. It's an amazing story. This baby was born and all of the family members in that home died. But this baby survived in the mother's womb. This baby was born after the earthquake and the baby was still attached to her mother by the umbilical cord. When the rescue workers found this baby, they actually had to take a knife and cut the umbilical cord to get the baby out and to take the baby to a hospital for safety. I couldn't believe it. You never in a million years would have guessed that a baby would be born and a life would begin in the middle of a tragedy. But isn't that the way our God works? God can take a tragedy. God can take a situation that seems hopeless. God can hang on the cross and be crucified and he can be buried and three days later he can rise again. And when people thought all hope was lost, God was still in the miracle working business. That's what God can do. I see in this passage, number one, these folks were broken. They were sorrowful. Their hearts were heavy. They had probably cried until there were no more tears left to cry. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there today. You say, oh, pastor, I'm sure in a church like this, I'm sure you don't have any people that are hurting. Well, actually, we do. You say, how many? All of them. We're all hurting people. We all have sorrows. We all have difficulties. We all have tragedies. And the world takes broken people. And the devil takes broken people. And the devil throws them out in the trash. But God doesn't throw broken people away. God fixes broken people. God uses broken people. God puts broken people back together and makes them into something that is beautiful. And God uses them to create a masterpiece. I see these women were broken. Maybe you're here today and you're broken. I want to tell you, there is hope for you. There was a tomb that they expected to find a body inside. But when that tomb, uh, when the stone was rolled away, they found there was not a body. It was empty they found that Jesus Christ was alive. I see not only were they broken, but number two, I want you to see in this passage, verse number three, it says, and they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? I don't usually focus on this part of the story, but I want to tell you, this is a very real problem they had. As they were going to anoint the body of Jesus and care for the body of Jesus, they had a problem. As they were on their way, they thought, how in the world are we going to get in there? That stone blocked uh, the entrance of the tomb. And uh, historians tell us those stones were anywhere from one to two tons in weight. And many times those stones could be rolled, but once they got to the entrance of the tomb, there would be an inset. 
and they would be dropped into that inset. It might be somewhat easy to get them in place, but it was really hard to get them out. And these ladies knew they couldn't do it. Do you, this morning, do you have anything in your life that is blocking you? You have an obstacle that's in your way? Do you have a mountain that it just seems like you can't get through it and you can't get over it? And it just seems like there is no way? Last night we were getting ready for dinner and I got home and uh, Micah, our three-year-old, I don't know where he got this from, but he was standing in the hallway. I was trying to get into the kitchen. He was standing in the hallway from, uh, and he had his hand over by one, uh, one, one side and he had his other hand on the other side. He was blocking the doorway and he wasn't going to let me through. Well, obviously that would not have been a problem, but you know, I'm going to play along with it, you know? And so he said, what's the password? Oh, and I'm thinking your guess is as good as mine. And how many of you know, you may guess the password and he may change it, right? <laughs> Children do that just to keep the game going, just to keep it exciting. And I thought, well, I don't even know if he knows what this is, but I said, open sesame. And it didn't, he didn't move, but he raised one arm and he let me go through. So I guess that was partially right or something. But maybe you're, you've got an obstacle and it's not funny. Maybe you've got something that is blocking you today and keeping you from Jesus and keeping you from victory and keeping you from something that needs to happen in your life. And I want to tell you, obstacles are real. The devil loves to put roadblocks in your path. The devil loves to stop you from getting to Jesus. And these ladies were concerned because there was a stone that was in the way. And they asked, who shall roll us away the stone from the door? of the sepulcher. But here's what I love. Verse four, it says, and when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away for it was very great. Aren't you glad that God can roll the stone away before you even get there? God has the power to remove that obstacle. God has the power to clear a path. God has the ability to give you victory in your life. I see that these ladies were broken. They were blocked. But then I see number three, I see they were blown away. It says in verse number five, and they uh, entered into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. The Bible says in Matthew 28 that they had fear and they had great joy at the same time. Have you ever had something that happened in your life that you had both those emotions at the same time? It was just so mind-blowing. It was just so shocking. It was just so unexpected that you were fearful, but yet you were joyful at the same time. That's where they were. The Bible says in verse number six, and he saith unto them, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. I see that these ladies were blown away. When they looked, the stone was rolled away, but even greater miracle was when they looked inside, they saw that Jesus' body was no longer in that tomb. They saw that the tomb was empty and that Jesus Christ had risen. This was a miracle. They went to the tomb thinking that all hope was lost. But when they got to that tomb, they found that all hope was not lost. As a matter of fact, there was a miracle that Jesus Christ had already done. He had done the greatest miracle of all. He had risen from the dead. He had conquered death and hell and the grave. I don't know 
what kind of a miracle you need today, but I'll say this. You can't do it. I can't do it. The church can't do it. Your work can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. Your boss can't do it. The government's not going to do it. But God can. With God, all things are possible. There is nothing that is too hard for God. And there was a miracle. God had the power to do a great and mighty and miraculous work in this situation. And he could do the same for you. Number four, I see lastly, not only were they broken, they were blocked, they were blown away. But number four, I see that they believed. The Bible says in John 20 and verse number eight that those ladies and those disciples, when they saw, they believed. Now, I think if we would have been there and we would have seen Jesus crucified and we would have seen them take his body down and we would have seen them place that body in the tomb and then if we would have gone back on Sunday morning and we would have seen the stone rolled away and if we would have gone inside and if we would have looked and seen He's not here. And if we would have heard an angel say, hey, what are you looking for? He is not here. He is risen, as he said. I think we would believe. But there's a problem. We weren't there. And don't tell me you were there because there's nobody that's living today that's 2,000 years old. You weren't. If you tell me you were there, you're lying. You say, well, I've been there. Well, good. I'm glad you've been there and you can go there. But you didn't see all of those events like they saw. You weren't there at the time. So how do we believe? Well, the truth is, I think it's easy for them to believe because they saw. That's not faith. Faith is not believing something that you see. Faith is believing something that you can't see. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, you weren't there and I wasn't there. And the truth is a lot of people, even that lived at the time, they weren't there. So how do we know today? How do we, how do we have salvation? How do we know that Jesus Christ is alive? Because we have the record that is given to us in the word of God. It's not a newspaper, it's not a history book, it's not a blog, it's not a YouTube video. We have the word of God that has been inspired and preserved and we can believe just like those disciples believe, even though we weren't there, we can believe by faith in what God said. You see, without faith, you can't be saved. You see, without faith, you cannot have victory. Without faith, you can't get to heaven. And so believing is so important. They believed. What does it take for God to do something miraculous? The Bible says it requires faith. How do we get faith? We get faith by the word of God. How do we know these disciples believed? How do we know that we believe? Well, I want you to notice what it says in verse number 15. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, now, because you've seen all this, because you've seen me, because I am alive, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In verse 20, it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, amen. How do we know they believed? 
How do we know that they trusted? How do we know that they got a life that was changed because of Jesus Christ working in them? They went and told people about it. You know, if you believe something, you're going to tell people about it. Now, please don't point, you know, especially if the person's sitting near you, you know, but have you ever met somebody that likes to tell big stories? And hopefully we're talking about children now, you know, hopefully it's not like a, you know, an adult or a spouse, but have you ever met somebody that likes to tell big stories? And they tell you and they're convinced and you're thinking, I doubt it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> my, my wife's uh, dad used to tell her brother, said now, he said, that may be true, but I wouldn't go around telling everybody about it, right? You ever been there? You know how you know something's true? You know how you know you believe something? You're not afraid to tell somebody else about it. Can I tell you when Jesus gets a hold of you and when Jesus saves your soul, you want to tell somebody else about it. They believed. And not only did they believe, but it was those disciples that told others, and it was those 120 in that upper room in Acts 2 that turned the world upside down. You know why? Because Jesus was real in their lives, and they believed. Friend, today, if you're here and you have never believed, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you cannot be saved unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 16, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never believed. Maybe you're here today and you have believed, you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but maybe you've got some brokenness. Maybe you've got something that's blocking you. Maybe you are in need of a miracle today. I got news for you. The God that could work miracles in the Gospels, the God that could work miracles in the past, is a God that can work miracles in your life and in my life today. Say, well, well what does it take? How is that going to happen? The Bible says, by believing by believing and having faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.